Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for another wonderful, inspiring conversation that I have planned for you today. If you are listening for the very first time, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here, and I hope you'll be joining me every week. The Love Code is really um, an amazing opportunity, I would say, to stay inspired, to be able to uh, access the truth about who we are, about these times, about the fact that we are amazing beings that are unfolding into our divine nature. And I think that's the most important thing that we want to remember at this moment in time, at any moment in time, really, who we really are and the potential we have to transform our lives, to heal our lives, to be in a place where we experience life through the lens, through the experience of love, gratitude, joy, and to heal. So you are here and you are participating in this amazing experience that happens every Saturday to bring some light and love into your life. And by the way, if you are listening for the first time, you can get my archive shows. You can get them on my Facebook page, which happens to be What Women Must Know, because What Women Must Know is the name of the other program I do on Progressive Radio Network. So if you want to like me at What Women Must Know, you'll get the archives, or you can opt into my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Selman, that's D-R Cheryl Selman, or you can go to Podbean, or you can go to Spotify, Spotify. and many other platforms. So however you do that, I trust you'll be listening on a regular basis. And today we have uh, a fantastic guest coming to us from Costa Rica, and we're going to be talking to Jonathan England, and he wrote an inspiring book called If I Die Before I Wake. And that's what we're going to be talking about. What does that mean, If I Die Before I Wake? So a little bit about Jonathan England. He is an extraordinary transformational leader and community builder whose name is synonymous with inspiration, empowerment, and positive change. Jonathan is a true visionary who has devoted his life to helping people awaken to their full potential, tap into their deepest desires, and make the impossible possible. He is the author of If I Die Before I Wake, which offers empowering practices to people and a crucial shift in the way people can attract happiness, spiritual connection, and fulfillment. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Jonathan England to the show today. Uh, hola, Jonathan. Hey there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Pura Vida. Thank you for having me on Pura the show. Vida. Yeah. It's uh, the it's the uh, it's the uh, marketing <laughs> campaign strategy and truth that's uh, um, all about Costa Rica, pure life, the purity of life, beautiful life, pure vida. Um, so, Jonathan, thanks for being here. And uh, how's Costa Rica today? Uh, nice. We just started a rainy season. It's it's it was supposed to start a few weeks ago, but. The El Nino came through, so it's we we just now started getting rain. We we'll get rain every day pretty much for the next six months, like a few hours a day. So uh, just started, but yeah, it's beautiful. I got a a big event coming up here 
that I got 60 people coming in from all over to a, a, an event called the Remember Experience. So I'm really excited about that. Just uh, everything's going great. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, thank goodness for that rainy season brings life to that tropical rainforest world, doesn't it? Yeah, we all we love the rain. When I lived in the United States, I didn't love the rain, but here it's like it's. I don't know what what it is, but it's just different here. You love when it's raining, and uh, you just want to walk around in it and just enjoy it. Yeah, it brings all that life to uh, the fore, right? Everything comes alive. Um, so, well, well, thanks. I mean, sounds like you've got a you know a big thing happening down at your community. So um, I appreciate the time today. So, so Jonathan, tell us a bit about your journey, your story. What brought you um, in your life? unfoldment to 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 where you are now what what was it what were some of those pivotal experiences and moments that changed your life yeah so there's definitely a series of them but uh, my childhood was shaped i had a brother who had he was an older brother and he had muscular dystrophy which is a terminal disease and i kind of was always shaped to be like a hero to for him and my family just really kind of the one that was there holding all together as a little kid you know, and, but then when I was 12 and he was 16, he died. And that moment, it's kind of like my, my identity. I, I didn't know what I was or where I was and who I was, why I was. I felt like I had failed my, my role, my job, because my, you know, my, my brother died. And, and I kind of thought like if I could, st- and it, this wasn't conscious, but it was subconscious that I felt like if I could just save my brother, I could save my family because my parents got divorced because they knew he was going to die and it was just too much. There was already life was, you know, difficult enough for most people, but then adding that they know their, their son is going to die. It was really difficult for them. So it was just overwhelmed. They got divorced. So anyway, when I, you know, I'm, when he actually did die, it just kind of, sh- it, it shattered, it shattered me. And that was the beginning of my journey into the darkness where it, from that moment I became a, you know, it started, I, I, I'd only ever made straight A's my entire life, never made a B until after that. Now I'm making D's and F's and then I start, you know, just going, doing, you know, going down some dark paths and wound up becoming a broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum. And that led me all the way up until I uh, rear-ended a car to stoplight when I was blackout drunk one night and I went to jail. I got caught, like the, there was a cop sitting at the stoplight where I, where that happened at and it, I tried to run, but you know, he was right there, or she was at right there, and, and I went to jail, thank God, and I sat in jail, and I made a decision while I was in jail, but how it happened, because I, I could no longer run, I'm, I'm stuck with myself, I couldn't run, I couldn't hide, I couldn't numb, and I was just there with me and me, and I had to feel how much I, how much the judgment I had on myself, and, but I heard like I was talking to myself, sitting there in the jail cell sobering up and I heard like I was saying you could have killed somebody I'm like yes I know but nobody died nobody got hurt but they could have and and the voice was just like no listen you could have killed somebody I'm like yes I know I know I'm already beating myself enough I don't need to hear it anymore but listen you could have killed somebody but there's a there's a there's a message in here for you I'm like okay what is it and I started to hear oh I could I could have hurt somebody which means another one of my decisions. If so, if one of my decisions could hurt somebody, then another one of my decisions could do what? 
to help somebody. So if my decisions can hurt people or help people, then my decisions matter. And if my decisions matter, then maybe I matter. And if I matter, maybe life matters. And maybe there is a meaning to all of this. And so I made a decision in that moment that never again would my actions hurt people. From this moment forward, every action that I take, every decision that I make is going to be a positive impact on the planet. And that was what brought me, headed me back towards the light, that decision that I made. But, but the reason I was a blackout drunk atheist beach bum is because I had a belief that I didn't matter. I had failed love, so I don't, I don't even matter. And so somebody who believes they don't matter, they do really stupid things, like get drunk, blackout drunk and go drive around in a car. So suddenly in jail I was when I realized that I do matter because I could see I mattered on the dark, on the negative side, so I could also equally matter on the positive side. So that that was the first step that, that brought me out, that turned me. That didn't get me where I am, but it, it did turn me in a new direction to head to where I am now. That's so interesting. Had you ever heard, uh, have you ever, were you receiving any voices or communications before you, you had that experience in jail? No, no, I was pretty numb to everything. Like I, uh, I didn't even know that I had feelings. I, I was like a robot walking around. I was so trapped inside of my head. I was, I was playing chess with life, like thinking, okay, if I do this, then that'll happen. Or do that, that'll happen. And I was just so worried about how what everybody thought about me. That's the like, and I just couldn't be me. I could, I was just trapped inside of my head, and I, I didn't allow myself to feel anything. That's why I was getting drunk all the time just to try to numb and I was also an adrenaline junkie so I was just trying to numb everything out because there was just so much pain in there when my brother died I was holding his hand and I never cried it, it took it wasn't until probably eight years ago that I even ever cried about it so um, yeah I was completely closed off completely walled off completely numb completely unconscious and had no clue until sitting in jail and then that's when I could start to I guess that's when the, the separation between me and my ego began, where I could actually start to like hear my thoughts or, you know, hear the thoughts, not even claiming them as mine. And so the separation started to occur where now I could just, I was starting to observe them. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that, that was the beginning of it. Well, it's a real, you know, pivotal moment on your life's journey, I would say, your soul's journey. How old were you when that happened in jail? Uh, I think I was 25. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's either 20, 24 or 25. Well, yeah, best thing, right? Just You don't even want to think about what would have happened if you didn't <laughs> rearrange it or sent to jail and had that epiphany, right, in, in this yeah. awakening time. Yeah, because it was January 1st, at 12:15, 15 minutes after New Year's, uh, that same year, I had already gotten—I I got a DUI. That <laughs> I got taken to jail, and I didn't get my lesson. So there's a thing I always say when you know it's time to get your lesson, when it's time to move off of that path. So I, yeah, I guess I was hearing—I was hearing something, but I, but I wasn't relating it to anything. I was numbing myself to it. But I—I I got a DUI, went to jail, and didn't get the lesson. So. The message messenger starts off with a feather stroke. If you don't get the feather stroke, then it's the nudge. If you don't get the nudge, then it's the shove. If you don't get the shove, then it's the cosmic two by four. So, I took a couple cosmic two by fours before I finally <laughs> turned around. And it slapped some sense into me. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. What? What do you got to say to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so there you were, 25, 
and you 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 had this profound realization about how to live your life, the choices that you needed to make, and and what happened from there. And so I didn't learn how it, to live my life. I just learned why to live my life. And my why was I was going to be here to make a positive impact on the planet. That So I got a why, but now I'm like, so then the next question, well, well, how do I do that? And so asking you shall receive. Um, so I said how, and I'm like, well, maybe, you know what? Maybe if I could just like, build, you know, create a family and just, and build a life uh, that, and give them a great life. Maybe that would give meaning to my life if I could just start with a family. And so, well, well, what do I do that? What do I need to do in order to do that? Well, I probably need to make some money since I'm a broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum right now. Like, this doesn't seem like I'll be able to build a family like this. So maybe I need to, you know, get my stuff together, get my act together and, and become successful in some way. Like, well, how am I going to do that? And so I was flipping through channels one night and there's a, an infomercial came on. It was a little Italian guy named Dean Graziosi and he says, have you ever in your adult life felt like you should be further along than you are right now? I'm like, yes, I sure have. And he's like, well, if I, if I could show you this one thing that would change your life forever, would you want this thing? I'm like, yes, I want that thing. He's like, all right, well, give me all your money. I'm like, well, no, I don't have any money. <laughs> he didn't actually say give me all your money on the, on the infomercial, but that once I made the phone call, then that's when they, they said give me all your money with $10,000 that I, you know, I didn't have, uh, cause he was selling me no money, no credit, real estate investing. I'm like, well, I qualify because I don't have any money. I don't have any credit. So there's no way I can buy the thing. I, give, me the, give me the course. I'll go make the 10 grand and pay you. But I didn't understand back then that that's backwards. It, it, the reason that we can't do it is the reason that we must do it. It's the belief that's, that's making us not, not have the thing that it is that we think that we need. So um, anyway, I wound up uh, coming up with – I made the decision – and then I came up with, because it's never a lack of resources, only ever a lack of resourcefulness. So I became resourceful. I found the funds. I took the course. And then within my first 18 months, I'd made 400 grand. Within two years, I'd built a multi-million dollar empire. Uh, in 2012, I became Dean's number one student. And he's the, lar he's the biggest uh, real estate investment trainer on the planet. He doesn't really teach that anymore, but he was back then. And uh and so I was his number one student in 2012. We started partnering on deals and things. So that was the beginning of my journey. Like if, in my book is, is about these five levels of consciousness or five states of conscious orientation. So what I've just described to you was my level one, which was broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum. And then my level two, where I became successful real estate investor. So that that's the first levels. And I'm, and it, it, when you read the book, there's, three parts to it, the path, the proof, and the process. The path is the roadmap. The proof, the second part, is is my journey through the, the, the five levels. So you can kind of see my story and see yourself in my story. And then the third part is the process, which are basically the tools, the recipes for transcending each level. So so that was the next step. I, I you know, I, I became very successful, made a lot of money. Uh, and then I started investing because I realized, well, hold on. This worked. When I found somebody who had results that I wanted, and then I paid for the recipe, and then I followed the recipe, I actually got the fruits. I actually got the results. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I wound up, you know, got before I was addicted to you know drugs and alcohol. Now all of a sudden I was addicted to personal development, and I wound up, you know, investing over half a million dollars in personal development over the next 
few years and really I'm, a, I'm an all in kind of guy when i was blackout drunk every night it's because i'm all in so <laughs> i was real estate investing i'm all in. you know when i'm personal development, all in so anyway that's that uh that that describes my level two like that's how all that happened wow so um uh you know your so your your journey took you from having nothing and and feeling nothing to this journey of learning how you can create abundance in your life and with that abundance then you had the realization you, you need to do that inner work, right? I mean, just if you spent a half a million dollars on personal development, you, you you either did a lot of courses or you went to some very expensive ones, right? And what happened? You, you did all that. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, John. It, it, it was both. Uh, I went to a lot and some of them were very expensive. But uh, But the reason I was doing that is because I – feel couldn't feel and I didn't know that's what the, I didn't know that's what I was looking for I didn't know that I was looking I was I had no clue I was trying to I was trying to go in but what was happening is the more successful I got the more money that I made and because I, I had a my a, my girlfriend at the time and then she had uh, teenage twin boys and then I had moved my mom in the house so I bought this really big nice house and I moved my mom in there, and we all, we all moved in there together because, again, my goal was to make my family happy because I thought if I could – that would give me meaning. That would give me a purpose. If I could just make my family happy, then I could be happy. Um, but I was completely numb to everything on the inside, and I thought – like I just kept shaping myself, adjusting myself in order to try to figure out who I, who I needed to be in order to make them happy, and that was my 100% goal. And – Again, the more I gave my family everything that they wanted, the more miserable they got. I'm like, I just don't understand. Like, this is freaking me out here. This is completely backwards. The harder I try, the worse it gets. The more I do right, the more wrong everything is. And it got to the point where my girlfriend was taking 20 Oxycontin a day. My, the twin boys were, they were on drugs, punching each other in the face, punching holes in the walls. My mom was on hospice, given less than a month to live. And if that wasn't enough, then um, I had one last shot because what I was doing is trying to play the hero. I, I was trying to be the savior and I didn't, you know, I didn't know this was happening, but I really did believe that I had their happiness. Like all my family, I was like, I can make them happy. I, I really believed it and they believed it too, but obviously it was never going to work because you can't make someone else happy. That's, it's an inside job. And but I didn't realize that it was an inside job for me too. I thought it was an outside job. If I just make them happy, then I can be happy. And they were just thinking, hey, maybe I can make them happy. But we were all wrong. Um, but the last ditch effort, when all this stuff's happening, I my my girlfriend at the time she had younger brothers that she had had pretty much raised because she didn't have a dad and her mom was an alcoholic, so she was raising her brothers. And they both got addicted to drugs. And one of them called and said, hey, John, I just I just got out of jail. I I was addicted to crack. I was stealing stuff so I could pay, pay for crack. And I went to jail, but now I'm off of crack. I'm completely good to go with that. But I burned all my bridges, and I just need a hand up. Can you help me out? And so I'm like, dun, 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 dun. 
put my cape on, one last <laughs> effort, like everything's going wrong, but maybe this is it. Maybe if I can just help her brother, my girlfriend's brother, maybe this will make her happy. So come on in. Yes, of course I can help. <laughs> well, within two weeks, he had stolen my credit card, charged up thousands of dollars on it, stole all of my tools for my you know, my, uh, my uh, real estate fix and flip business, stole my tools, stole my bicycle, stole my truck, and stole her car. All in just a couple of weeks while my mom's dying. And I'm like, uh, what, what in the heck? <laughs> and, and finally, for, for the first time, and I, yeah, I can laugh about it now too. I, I love that you're laughing about it. It's great that you're laughing because I laugh about it. And I, I, it's, it's actually super funny to me <laughs> to see that, like, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. But so, but this, for the first time in my life, I laid down my head and said, I failed. I'm a failure. And because I gave everything, I gave my whole heart, my whole soul, I gave everything I've got to give. And it's not enough. And there's nothing more, there's nothing left in me. And when I laid down my head, and said, I failed, I'm a failure. It's like this weight just all of a sudden lifts off my shoulders. I'm like, what was that? What just happened? And what I realized happened that moment is that everything that I thought that I had to be died, because I couldn't be it, I gave up everything to be it. And it and I couldn't. It was impossible. So that false identity that I was trying to live into, it died. And suddenly I'm like, well, if I'm not that, then what am I? Who am I? And this was how I entered into level three. So level one is called disoriented, where you don't have any direction. You don't know who, who you are, where you are, why you are. And it's like this victim mentality where it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, but I got dealt a crappy hand and I'm just trying to play it the best I can. That's what level one is all about. Level two is, you know, I'm the dealer. I can decide what I, what I, I just got to make the decision and I got to set the goals and no matter what, it's going to happen. And so level one is disoriented, level two is goal oriented, but level three is called journey oriented. This is where you realize there is no ha path to happiness. Happiness is the path. And, and it's realizing that every, all you need, everything that you've been searching for, it's been in you the whole time, but you got to go in, not out. And so that was, that was my journey into level three. That's how that happened. <laughs> And that was when the real awakening actually occurred, once I hit level three. Once I was no longer pinned inside of a false identity, I was free from it. And I merged with everything for all eternity because all the boxes, all the, all the answers were gone. And it was, I was living inside of just the, the nothingness and everythingness at the same time. There was no more borders between me and everything. It was just all one. And uh, that's when I was found. You know, it's such a story of the hero's journey, isn't it? You, you know, it's, which we all take. We're, we are all on this hero's journey of going through the darkness and feeling lost and unworthy and, um, you know, self, self, self-hatred at times and, um, and, and how all that gets projected out into the world and then, you know, and, and, and then the journey that you've been describing. So you go from that place of really self-hatred or you abuse yourself. And then you think, well, it's accumulating all the security. And that gives you a sense of who you are and, and importance and significance. And, you know, the, the ego really feels like it's, you know, it's the man, right? And then yeah. that gets taken away because that's not the answer either then you have to really begin the serious awakening yeah. of your soul 
Yeah. And I kind of look at it like, uh, uh, so level one is like you've got this deflated balloon. Level two, you blow the balloon up, and that's your ego. So now it's all, you got the big head. It's all blown up, and you're like, ha, look how big I am. But then pride cometh before a fall, and then the thing gets popped. And then once it gets popped, that's your ego getting, I don't, you can't actually pop your ego in level one when you're playing victim. So level one, you live in the past, which creates depression because you're just thinking about, oh, the back, back, back in the day, you're always, you know, there's something, either what was wrong with the past or what was good about the past, but either way, it's, you know, Either way, there's there's no hope for the future. The level two is all about the future, which creates anxiety because you don't know what's going to happen. But then level three, you're in the present moment. But uh, the only way to get into the present moment is because is we leave what is real in the pursuit of what appears to be. So you've got to stop running away from from what it is that that you're running. You think that you're running towards something, but people are most of all of their lives they they're trying to do things for their worthiness. If I can just do this, then that'll make me worthy. If I can do that, I can be worthy. And they, they've got these different <laughs> blueprints of what they think is going to have to happen for them to finally feel worthy. But they're they're coming from a false presumption that they're not worthy already. So once this this uh, this ego gets popped, and you're no longer this separate self that's separate from love, you're one with love. There is there's no spot that love is not. It's in you and around you and through you and as you, and it is you. Uh, once that's happened, then what you'll start to notice, so this is go, now I'm about to share and going into level four is then you start to kind of look around. You, you start to move back into the, the perspective through the lens of the separate self. Only, you know, you're not separate at this point. You're still holding complete. You know, everything that you need is any now, and you can see everyone around you that is part of you and you see through their ego into the truth of who they are. And it's like, you're looking at them and you realize they're inside of a cage that you just escaped from. Now you can see the cage and you know, it's a self-imposed prison and the handles on the inside, but they don't know that. So you start in level four, it's called value oriented where now you start to, it's just, you're just overflowing the love. You're overflowing the truth that, that, that you already have and you're sharing it with the rest of you, which is all the world out there, all, all the others, uh, which is just you out there, the fragmented aspects of you that are, that are turning to remember. Um, that they're all members of this one body of love. So, in so, level four, so, so wait, Jonathan, wait, I have a question. So okay. when you, when, 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 you know, your car got, your truck got stolen, your tools got stolen, your credit card got stolen, was there actually an epiphany moment when that your consciousness had this awakening? It was it was when I finally just said I failed. I'm a failure, and because I'd never done that my whole life. The reason being is because I, I I thought that I was loved for what I do. I thought that I was supposed to be this hero that saved people, and a hero can't fail. If a hero fails, they're not a hero. And my identity was based around being this hero. And so in this moment, when my girlfriend's on oxycot, taking twenty oxycot a day, my Mom's dying. She's literally on hospice. The hospice nurse nurses look me in the eye and says, "You're gonna be dead in two weeks. You better prepare." By the way, my mom's not dead now. She's thriving. She's in better health than she's been in 20 years. Mm-hmm. She actually lives here in Costa Rica with me in in, in the village. But there's, you know, that's a that's another part of the journey that uh, came after my awakening. That didn't come. Her her healing came after my awakening. But the, again, the awakening occurred when I finally said I failed, and it was like the surrender moment. 
and it because mm-hmm. it was there was it was an instant it's an instantaneous thing the epiphany is like I'm not the one that's loved but I can't do all this I can't be the hero I can't be the savior I already tried and so when I I, I gave up it, it's like sometimes we fall into heaven through the floor of hell I fell through the floor of hell and I'm like oh wow and it was because all suffering comes from resisting what is and the only thing it is is love mm-hmm. so we put conditions mm-hmm. upon it we withheld love from ourselves until we fulfill the conditions that we made up on what has to happen until, before we're worthy. So everything that had to happen before I let myself believe that I was worthy of love, it all died. So now I was, un- I was in unconditional love. I was held in the arms of formless love. But it was the admitting of the failure. It was the, the admitting to defeat. It was, a, it was a complete surrender. It was a complete uh, letting go. And uh, and then I, when I let go, I I let go. I was let go of by the ego. When I let go of trying to control, mm-hmm. trying to be something, the ego let go of me. It all happened at the same time. So I was free. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what, what I was. A, I didn't know why I was. A, there was no form. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, that was a moment when uh, I'm sure it was it was like it was like your life. I, you would say it's a reborn moment, right? You were reborn because yeah, all of yeah. a sudden everything is different. Everything is different. You see life in a totally different way, a different perspective. Everything has changed from that moment. Absolutely. Everything was different. But it wasn't a reborn yet. It was a death. The, the resurrection occurred. That resurrection begins in level four. Uh, so I didn't – once that death happened, like I'm like, well, I'm not that. I'm not – the thing that I thought that I had to be. I'm not the identity that I've been giving up everything to be. And I didn't leave any meat on them bones. I gave everything that I had to become everything that I thought that I was supposed to be. So I was, because I was all in, that's why I was able to completely let it go 100%. I'm not, from that moment forward, I haven't been dangling the thing behind me. Like, maybe I should have just tried a little bit harder. If I would have just done this, I would have just, so there's no regret in it because I gave it all. And so it died Mm -hmm. completely. And and I was com- completely free of it. So it was a complete death. And then the level four is when the resurrection began. I started to because when I went into complete death, I, it was I, I I left the form. I was just in the formless love. But then level four is when I started to enter back into form. And now I'm I started to be shaped in the unique perspective or the unique aspect of love in form. Previous I was a slave to the ego, but now I was a servant of love. Uh, be, either way, you're being you're you're always being used. You can't. There's nothing you can do about that. But the question is, are you going to be used by fear or are you going to be used by love? And if you're still thinking that you have to do something to be worthy of love, then you're going to be always used by the fear that you're not enough. But once that fear of not enough dies, then you can start to be directed and shaped by love. And then you'll you'll take your unique shape, just like you know the apple tree. It's it's an it's an apple tree and it makes apples. It can't make anything other than apples. Pear tree, it makes pears. But what we do in level one and level two is we'll be an apple tree looking over the pear tree, being like, well, everybody's eating the pears and they all like the pears and they don't like me, so I got to figure out how to make pears. But it was just you know, or, or maybe you're you're not even making any apples and it's making pears. So I got to figure out how to make pears. But it, the thing is, it wasn't your season yet. And you got, and you're trying to figure out how to, you give up your purpose for approval. 
And so that's when, like, the level three is when all that dies. Everything that you think you you should be, you're supposed to be, dies, and and then you can see clearly for the first time. The veil is removed. The veil between you and the love that you've been craving is is removed, and now you're at one. You're one with it. Yeah, got it. Okay. Right. Okay. So then what? So then you so then you had to learn to find love, become love, open your heart. Well, it's, so at this point, I, there was no more learning. There was no more trying. There was no more anything. I just, I just was. So that's level three is journey oriented. So it's just, you realize it's like, it's, it's not about in level three. Again, the truth changes on each level of consciousness. The thing that got you into level two is going to, is going to keep you from level three. Like in level one, you're trapped in level one because you're, you're always caring what other people think. And if you're caring what everybody thinks, you're going to do what everybody else does, which means you're going to get at what everybody else is getting. And what everybody else is getting right now is suffering. Uh, you know, people are lost in lies and illusions and don't even know it. They're being fake. And so you'll have to be fake too in order to continue interacting with all those people if if your goal is to make them like you, which is impossible because they don't like themselves because they don't know who they are. So, um, so level two what gets you out of level one is you set a goal and you get clear. It's clarity and focus. And it's like, not thy will, but mine be done. No, ain't nothing going to stop me from this, the, from this goal. And then, but what no, level three, the thing that got you into level, got you out of level one to into level two is going to sabotage you in level three. Cause in level three, you have to get rid of clarity and focus. You like you, you you release all attachment to any outcome and you just be 100% present with the presence of this moment brings. You have no desire to alter anything, to control anything, to do anything. You're just there with everything, as everything, recognizing it, appreciating it, taking it all in. You know, and it, when I was in level three, I mean, I got to the point where I was like, again, I'd built a multi-million dollar empire, and I w in level three, I went back to just full homeless. <laughs> I literally not all my homes. I either gave them away or and I'm I was I remember I was walking around like I homeless and like so happy. I was like I'm just walking around looking at the trees. I didn't have I lost my car. I lost, I lost everything and I'm just like looking mm -hmm. walking around looking at the trees. The happiest I've ever been and I wasn't doing anything. I was just being and uh, and it was you know it was really but so so I was in the formlessness. But then I. Again, level four is I started entering back into the world. And now that I had found what I had been looking for, I started sharing it with others. And from that sharing with others that, like, I started to give form to the formless that I felt. Because I'd found the kingdom. It was in me. And now that I was in the kingdom, it was level four. It's time to bring the kingdom to the world, to give it, to share it with others. And so in order to share it, you have to bring from the inspiration to information, you have to you know, form it up, form the inspiration, put it in a package so someone can receive it. So that's what I started doing in level four is putting it in packages and delivering it. And that's when I started building uh, like my, the earth waking movement. Uh, it was beginning, uh, but actually, so my mom, my, I said earlier, my mom was on hospice given less than a month to live, but now she didn't just, she didn't die. She's actually in better health than she's been in 20 years. But, she was actually my first, I guess, student, I guess is what you would call her. Um, and it, I started to, because after I'd done all this personal development, all this, this, I, I really could 
see how the world operates. And there was this, you know, the, the insights started to come out of me at this point, And it was like, I, I released my attachment to my mom dying, but not dying. I, I, I didn't, I, I had to get to be okay with my mom dying. That's a, which happened automatically when I entered in level three. I was, I was fine. Um, it was okay if she died. I didn't have an attachment to any outcomes. And I also knew at that point how this world operates, which your thoughts lead to your emotions, lead to your actions, lead to your results. If you, your results, you'll know them by their fruits. The fruits that showing up, show, are showing up in your life are coming from the seeds that you're sowing. And your thoughts are your seeds, your mind is your garden, the world, the reality that you're experiencing are your fruits. And I already, I already knew that. I, I got that. And so I went to mom and I'm like, all right, hey, mom, you, I just want to let you know that uh, these fruits, you're dying right now. They're your fruits, which means in your mind, you're sowing seeds of sickness. You believe there's beliefs that you have that that are producing these fruits, you're responsible for this reality. And that was the first time my mom ever got angry at me. You said, you, are you blaming me for this? You, but you saying it's my fault I'm dying. I'm like, no, I didn't say it's your fault. I'm saying that you're responsible. Completely different thing. It's a, it's not a fault because there's nothing wrong. If everything's okay and you are responsible, you're for, for creating this experience. And, um, I, it's like a, she she got angry at me, and but I had to be okay with her get angry at me because what was happening before? Okay, this is a really this is one of those, this is one of those insights. Is if you get what a, if you if you can see yourself in my story and you get what I'm about to say, it it will alter your every aspect of your reality. So the reason you want to know why my family was getting worse? The, the harder I tried, the more I did, the worse they got. My like I gave everybody everything. We're going on vacations uh, like every every month. Nobody has to work. Everybody's got everything that they want. Yet for some reason, my girlfriend's getting her life's getting worse. My mom's dying. The boy's life. Everybody's life is getting worse. You want to know why that was happening? Here's why. Mm-hmm. Because they all thought that I was their hero, and I thought that I was there to save them. And we both believe that, but the thing is, I couldn't save them. But what I was doing was reinforcing the illusion that their problems existed in the first place. Because what they were doing, my mom was dying for my love. And now she didn't know that, but what was happening, because all these, my family, they were all my victims. I was a hero. They were my victims. And so mm-hmm. when, if, if a victim is like they think that they get their – what makes them worthy of love is if they get saved from their problems. So if they got a big problem and somebody saves them, oh, you do love me after all because, look, you saved me from my problem. That's how they know they're loved is if they, if they get saved from a problem. A hero, how mm-hmm. they know they're loved is if they save somebody from the problem. The person's like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. Thank you so much for saving me from my problem. And you're like, ah, so you get this big hit. Like, wow, look, mm-hmm. I am worthy of love. And it's like – but it's coming from the outside in, which it's a drug. And the time you get a, a hit, then it's going to wear off. And then you're going to have to get a bigger hit. So what kept happening is my family had to keep giving, getting bigger and bigger problems for me to save them from 
so I could have, so they could get a bigger hit because <laughs> they got saved from a bigger problem to see, look, I am worthy of love. And then it wears off. Oh, I got to have a bigger problem so I can, because the, the amount of love that I felt previously is not enough anymore. I need a bigger hit. So they had to have a bigger problem to get saved from. And they started to go to the next level, which they started competing with each other on whose hero I was. Now, again, none of them were doing it consciously, but subconsciously. Okay. If there's a if there's a woman uh, getting her purse snatched and another person falling off a building about to die, and the hero can only save one, who are they going to save? The one falling off the building about to die. So what they what my family was doing were getting bigger and bigger problems to fight over whose hero I was because that's how they thought that they were worthy of love is if I would save them. So it was a, it's wild. I'm telling you our subconscious, our egos are nuts though. And we can't even see it happening. So uh, anyway, letting, letting go of the need to save my mom. Cause I, cause then I said, once I was no longer attached to the outcome and I didn't need to save her anymore, I could actually see her greatness. Before I could, I could only see my greatness, but now, and, and it, and it wasn't true greatness. It was a, it was a loser illusion of greatness. It was my ego was great. And I was calling that great when I kept trying to save her, but now I could just let it go and I could see how powerful she was. She's a child of God too. She's got full, like everything, like the whole creator power is inside of her as well. And I started to acknowledge that inside of her. She didn't like it at first because her whole life she'd been playing victim and now I'm saying, no, you're not a victim. She's like, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And she wasn't saying, yes, I'm a victim, but that's the energy. And so I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you're not. And so that dance of and bring bringing her back to her awareness of the power that resided within her the entire time, she came to life. And that was like really the birth of the uh, the earth waking movement. That's how it really began. Um because I teach uh, in the five levels, each one of them also has a lesson. Level one is health, which is taking responsibility for your body. Level two is wealth, taking responsibility for your external environment. Level three is happiness, taking responsibility for your internal environment. Level four is relationships, taking responsibility for your connection and contribution to others. And level five is spiritual connection, taking responsibility for your connection to the infinite. And so the, I got the first recipe, which was the level one recipe, working with mom. She was my first, I guess, student uh, that I developed the level one recipe with, which was health. And she became back aware of her, of her power around her body. And she came back to life. And so then, you know, went on, then I built, I started teaching people wealth, which is uh, how to create a lot of wealth, like how to set a goal and how to follow a, a recipe to, to achieve that goal really fast. And, you know, I, I was teaching people how People just write, write out, of, out of nowhere that, like, didn't have a bank account, like, not even a bank account, not even knowing how to write a check, being making ten, twenty thousand, dollars $25,000 a month in their first 30 days. So then I started mastering that, teaching people that, and then, and then it just kept developing as I went along to then happiness and so forth. Well, Jonathan, what an amazing journey you have been on and, and uh, you know, going through all those aspects of the self until you arrived at your true spiritual connection and, and now in service to others, you know, which is our journeys. I mean, that is the hero's journey, isn't it? It's, you, you have an amazing story. 
which is which which is also interesting because you have created a formula out of your journey and out of your understanding that you then can share and impart and guide others with. Yeah, I always say, uh, if you don't want your pain to be in vain, turn your mess into a message. Because uh, there's, <laughs> there's only one way to learn, and it's through failure. But the caveat is it doesn't have to be your failure. You can learn through somebody else's. So I found the keys to the kingdom, but I found them in hell. And I'm like, hey, I got the keys right here. Like, if you don't have to, there, you don't have to go to hell to get them yourself. I hear there they are. You have delivered them to. Now, that doesn't mean people won't say, no, I, I'm gonna go. I want to go. I want to go find them myself. That's fine. You know, that's okay. And I'm. And that was also part of the journey, being okay with people going to hell to get the keys by themselves. I'm like, hey, I already got them. Why are you going to hell? Here you go. Don't, you don't have to do that. And that was it for a little while. That was difficult for me to deal with. Like, why would you do that? No, no. But then I was like, oh, that's just part of the journey. That's like it's some people that is yeah. their journey. They don't. Yeah. They, they haven't gone deep enough in the darkness. They haven't found. They haven't gone far enough to learn what love isn't. To 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 realize they don't want that. And then because you can't. You uh, you know an egg broken from the outside in is death, but from the inside out is life. And a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. So they have to decide it from the inside out. And most of the time people don't do that until it gets dark enough. And once it gets dark yeah. enough, they're like, all right, now I want what you got. I'm like, okay, cool, here you go. So I stopped. It, it took a while for me to stop working with people who needed what I have and only to work with people who want what I have. So now I only – at one point I was like, I'm here to help everybody that needs me. I'm like, damn, everybody needs me. I'm looking. I'm like, holy shit, you need this. So, uh, but then finally I got to the point of realizing, no, they they don't. That Some people need need a journey. Some people don't need the – they don't need answers yet. They need to go get stuck in some more questions. And so – now I only work with people who love the truth that want help living the truth, and that's it. And it's really great, really great experience uh, <laughs> uh, working with people who love uh, the truth and live the truth. And I see it's, what, you know, that, the, oh, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, before we, there's an important, you know, important question I wanted to ask you, your thoughts on. Um, what is your perception of what is happening now in this moment in in our evolutionary journey what's what's your sense of things what's uh what's the you know the greater purpose because the the world is in great turmoil and people are in great turmoil and anxiety as we see so many things changing um and chaos more chaotic times what what's you know, how, how do you interpret this and how do you guide and inspire other people through these times? So uh, I didn't like the answer to this question. I got the answer to this question a while back, and I, I didn't like it at first. It, it, in the same time that I didn't like watching people that, hey, look, I got the keys. Don't go there. Don't go down into hell. I got the keys. You don't need to do that. Uh, when I resisted that, I didn't like this answer. Um but, well, there's two parts to it. First part is every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. So the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. So as long as you realize that, because all things work for good for those who believe. Those who believe what? That all things work for good. If you don't believe that, if you believe that, oh, poor me, look, there it is again. I've just got bad luck. Well, you know, 
as as men think it, so he is. Uh, so uh, it appears without, though it is within. Whatever it is that you're believing, that's what you're receiving. So now that being said, there's a massive adversity going on in the world, and it's just getting warmed up right now. It ain't even started yet. You know, we're about to have a global depression beyond anything this world's ever seen. Great Depression don't have nothing on what you know what we're stepping into. You got AI waking up that's like already telling everybody that's gonna it's gonna destroy humanity and it's it's inevitable. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Just you know, all kind of wild stuff. You got the, everybody's got their finger on nuclear bombs right now. I don't make me push it. You'll make me push it. And they're all fighting over this. Like you know, at the precipice of the worst case scenario on all every, from every angle. And you know, it's like the lotus flower. It it's born out of the poo. So this is the same thing. Now, uh, what's happening? It was I wrote it in my book. Now, when I wrote when the I wrote the book. It was written through me. It came through me. I was on a 40-day fast, and I wrote it in two weeks. It just came out exactly the way it is, is exactly how it came out. But there was one point, because my only job is to stay out of the way and just let it come through, let love speak. And there was one point in that book where I stopped the flow, and I said, whoa, 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 I'm not writing that. And so I was an evangelist atheist for like 20 years, like meaning it was my job to convince people God wasn't real. And one of the reasons was because of the idea of hell. And I'm like, no, there's no, cannot be if it, a God and hell at the same time. It's one or the other. And, you know, so the thing that came through in the book and in that book, it came through. Uh, I wrote it like, I think like six or seven years ago now or something. Wait, eight? No, it's, I don't even remember. I think it was like seven or seven, six or seven years ago. But it was talking about right now. This point, it says, now, in these five levels of consciousness, each individual goes to the five levels, but so does the collective. Now, not everybody makes it. Not everybody makes it at level one. But the collective is now moving into level three. And that has to happen. All the people that are going to exist on Earth will be existing level three and above. And because that's where humanity is going. We're evolving. Uh, and or we're remembering but the, it talked about in the book it talked about these two trains and on one train the people are waking up they're getting more connected with themselves more connected with each other more connected with nature they're moving into unconditional love on the other train the people are getting more disconnected more disconnected from themselves more disconnected from nature more disconnected from each other and they're moving into unconditional fear like just afraid of everything they're you know, uh, and so, and when the, when this was coming through me, it, it, when I was writing the book and I said, it, it said, these trains are splitting and people are going to have to pick their path. They're going to have to pick which train they're on because they've been sitting the fence. You could bounce back. You could be in love one minute and then fear the next minute, you know, and kind of, or just be a gray area. You don't even really know where you are. Then you can sit the fence, but people are picking their trains and at some point, those trains are getting further and further away. At some point, you're not even going to be able to see the other train. So what's happening is the world is splitting. There's a heaven on earth being birthed, and there's a hell on earth being birthed. And if you're not, it, it, you you face it within or without, by chance or by choice. And if you're not, and what is it that you're facing? Your fears, your lies, your illusions, your judgments. And if you are not facing your facing it within, all of your judgments, your fears, if you're not preemptively finding them then you're going to be forced to from the outside, and that's going to be pure hell on earth. So the majority is heading to hell on earth right now. 
there's a minority that have already, you know, choosing, take it, choosing in by choice and doing the work, finding their fears before their fear find, fears find them and uh, letting that stuff go. So that's what's being birthed right now, heaven on earth and hell on earth. It's a, the full, full unconditional love and full unconditional fear experience. So uh, if anybody's hearing my voice right now, you are on the love train. This uh, Now, just to let you know, you're on the love train, but you might be holding on to someone on the fear train, and you can feel your arm getting ripped off, and you're going to have mm-hmm. to let them go. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get ripped out of the train. You have to let them go, and it, and that's part of what I was talking about earlier is that that's their journey. Now, the thing is, both of these trains end up in the same place. See, at the end of this story, we all wake up at home in heaven realizing we actually never even left. But mm-hmm. one train is going to wake up from a happy dream. We're going, we're going straight to heaven. The other train, they're, going to, they're taking a detour through hell. They're going to be waking up from a nightmare. But they're still going to wake up, but they're just waking up from a nightmare. So that's what's happening in the world. It's, it's, the paths are being chosen, and people are picking their path. Am I going to just go ahead and wake up from the happy dream, or am I going to go deeper into hell? and uh, be shocked by such a nightmare that I, it just shocks me into it and wakes me up. So, you know, that's where we are. <laughs> and that's it's all a, that's a really, that, I, I just want to say that's a really profound way to um, help people understand that there's like, there's, there is a moment in, in, in this evolution of consciousness when the energies are available for this awakening, right? To reconnect to the to we are part of the source. We are the source. We we have potential to create our reality. We're loved. We're part of everything. Or the, those that still operate out of the fear and anxiety, fear of death, really is what's motivating so many people and um, hoarding and you know disconnection but we have choices to make because never before have we been at this moment where we can truly um, uh, have an experience of connecting to our, our spiritual essence right and um, that seems to be I, I really I can really relate to what you're saying there's an awakening happening for those that are choosing to remember who they really are and why they're here yeah, and for and for the ones that aren't choosing in, uh, there's a phrase that I, I say: you can't save someone from their own sovereignty. God could, but He won't. We can't, but we try. Stop mm-hmm. trying, because love doesn't take prisoners. If you love something, set it free. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's what love does. It, it's arms wide open. You can come and go as you please. So that's uh, something I definitely. Uh, one of my big mess to messages. That was the hardest thing in the world for me to do, was to let go and let go and let love. And uh, I, I'm not anybody's hero. I'm not anybody's savior. Everyone is sovereign. They make their own choices. They make their own decisions. They create their own experiences. And my business, my, my only business is let me check what am I doing? Where where am I going? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And I just work on me. And then I just share, you know, here, here's, here's what I'm doing. Here's what it's producing. If you like the fruit that this is producing, then here's how I did it. If you don't care about what this, what fruit I'm producing right now, then you don't care about what I'm doing. It's, it doesn't matter. It's everybody pick yeah. your path. Just enjoy it. Or don't pick your path. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You've, you've chosen to conform to the patterns of 
of, of the collective, uh, rather than uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which uh, you just, you know, follow the herd and the, you know, the herd again. But the only thing is the herd's going to slaughter, but the only thing that's getting slaughtered is what they're not. It's yeah. who they are can't be slaughtered because nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God, from, of course, the miracles. Um, meaning that uh, if it only exists in time, it doesn't actually exist. If it ain't going to be here a billion years from now, then it doesn't even exist. It's, it's, right. if, it's, if it's not but, eternal, if it's forever, it ain't true. Jonathan, so that's, that's such a good point to end on because we've come to the end. But I want people to know that your book, if I Die Before I Wake is where you channel this great wisdom and information. People can access that. And also go to Jonathan's website, which is jonathanearthwaking.com. That's jonathanearthwaking.com. I know you have a community that you're creating um, of conscious beings in Costa Rica. People can learn more about your community, about your programs. Definitely pick up a copy of If I Die Before I Wake because Jonathan, you've been on an amazing journey. It's been so inspirational to have you on the show and to share your experience and your wisdom with all of us. And um, I'm very grateful for everything you've been through so you've been able to share such light and love on the show today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And to everyone listening, thank you again for being part of this um, amazing journey we are all on. And and, uh, the Love Code is here to keep you inspired and uh, help you to choose the right train. (laughs) So until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You've been listening to my conversation with John England. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.